0: Welcome to the Inspiring Sustainability podcast. This is Adam Woodall and I'm delighted to welcome Ian Joseph of Trustees Unlimited to a conversation with me about how his organization is helping inspire sustainability in our world. So welcome
1: Ian. Thank you.
0: So what I'd like you to do first off, just very briefly, give me an introduction to yourself, your role at Trustees Unlimited, maybe a little bit about your uh, other career that you might have had before or even during, and maybe a little bit about your life outside of
1: work as well. Thanks, Adam. Well, it's very good to join you on this podcast. Um, I've had a fairly effective career, I must say, beginning life as a church minister before moving into the charity sector, cutting my teeth, working with uh, the homeless and those with uh, drug addiction. Uh, And then, as uh, many in the sector told me at the time, I sold my soul to the devil and crossed over and became a Mm headhunter, cutting my teeth, um, recruiting the CEOs of uh, the likes of the RSPCA and the National Autistic Society and a number of other well-known charities. So I've been doing this line of work now for about... About uh, 10 years, um, and had, throughout that period, always been a trustee uh, myself. Currently, a trustee of an Olympic legacy charity yeah. called CycloPark. Um, just in terms of trustees of limited, we um, we set that up about seven years ago. I say we. Uh, it's an unusual business model in that it's a hybrid organisation, a combination of the National Council, for voluntary organisations, which is a charity. Based off two of the leading lawyers in the charity sector, and and GMS, of which I'm one of the two MDs, and we're one of the oldest recruitment businesses in the country, uh, working at C-Suites across all different sectors. And we set up Trustees Unlimited seven years ago because we felt there was a real uh, need for charities, particularly smaller ones, to tap into a much richer, broader talent pool of potential uh, trustees. My role at Trustees Unlimited is essentially I I run that as well as the the Russell business and um, it's uh, it's been going very well.
0: Yeah, it sounds uh, sounds like an interesting growth of both yourself and also the organisation. So just uh, quickly actually, uh, you've talked about the partners, but how's the uh, Trustees Unlimited funded?
1: Well, Trustees Unlimited itself is a commercial business, but it Mm. trades for a social purpose. Now, because we're a third charity rather than 50%, I think legally we can't be described as a social enterprise, but in many respects, that's what we are. It uh, obviously needs to uh, make a profit to wipe its, its face, yeah. but um, it, it, it's a commercial business. And, and where we get our revenue from is through the work we do with nonprofits. We have a sliding scale of different services that we offer anything from advertising right through to, uh, the full bells and whistles head hunting mm. uh, but also revenues generated through the step on board program which I think we, we might be coming on to talk about in just a moment
0: yeah definitely no, that's, that's, and that's, that's really interesting that you've got a model that uh, you're not dependent on, on other organizations it's like what you you're more like a business in, in that sense uh,
1: yeah, correct. To hear.
0: Um, yeah, so yeah.
1: And, 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 and actually, add just a quick one on that. Yeah. The, um, we, we were one of the first B corporations in the UK. I think there were 27 initially, of which actually Basewell's Breakaway were one. And that's a tag given to commercial businesses, but the trade uh, with the highest of sort of ethical standards and taking into account things like environmental sustainability, um, and doing things the right way. So yeah, very much a commercial business, but with a, with a social uh, heart pumping inside it.
0: Yes, and uh, we could spend the whole of the rest of the podcast talking about B Corps because it's fascinating, but it's fantastic that you are a B-, B Corp because one of the things is it's not easy to become a B Corp, so mm-hmm. it shows your commitment not just to the, the service that you provide to your your clients, but also to, to a holistic sustainability, which is fantastic to hit. Um, and yes, you talked, actually, you, uh, you alluded towards the Step On Board program, which I'm particularly interested in. Um, so tell me a bit more about how that's uh, inspiring some social sustainability.
1: Yeah, well, the Step On Board program, it's run in partnership between the National Council for Voluntary Organizations, NCBO, and Trustees Unlimited. And it really emerged out of the work NCBO were doing with Barclays Um, and uh, essentially what happened was they engaged us to talk about how we might help some of their most senior people move on to non-profit boards and um, that's how it came about. Two years ago we started to engage with them and, and developed Uh, what was for them called the Barclays Board Placement Program that has now become uh, something much more far-reaching called our Step On Board Program, but essentially it's working with commercial uh, businesses helping uh, either some of their most senior talented people or some of their rising stars uh, move on to uh, non-profit boards And, and underpinning it all is this belief that there's huge untapped potential in businesses and charities working together in order to meet a collective suite of goals
0: yeah no, and it's uh, it's definitely it's fascinating so like, like uh, tell me a bit more about this i mean what why do you think uh individuals would want to become step up to this and why corporates should mm-hmm. be encouraging their their people to step up
1: yeah i, I mean there's quite a bit of research has been done on this over the years and you know one question why would people want to be trustees well i think four things spring to mind i mean one is people often want to engage with their Local communities in a more profound way, and certainly with people in professional careers who sometimes can feel a bit transient. Actually, you know, they leave the office at six, leave the house at six thirty in the morning, and they're back at. You know, it's silly o'clock and hmm. actually they're just passing through. And so uh, one reason people become trustees is they want to engage in their local community. Another is to progress a cause that they feel really passionate about. And when you talk to people, sometimes people will say, look, it's, it's cancer or it's kids or it's animals or whatever it is. Hmm. Um, and perhaps they've been giving money, uh, but actually what they want to do is leverage their skills and talents in a more sustainable way. Um, way and so they use their skills on a board uh, and the other thing is that people want to learn new skills now that can't be the overriding factor for why you join a board of trustees but it tends to be a by-product and a very powerful one of that i mean i mean a phrase that i've heard coined that sort of sums us all up recently is that it's it, it beyond painting sheds and i think historically um, a lot of people the the commercial volunteer programs are let's go and paint a school. But number one, there's only so many schools you can paint. Number two, volunteers never really do it very well. And it all, all feels a bit vacuous. Um, yeah. So I think individuals want to do something uh, more sustainable. But I think from an employer's point of view, CIPD did some research in 2015 and they talked about how 65% of employees are more likely to work for an employer that actively encourages Volunteering, and when you look at um, sort of Generation Y or Z or A, I'm not even sure where we are in the generations now. But when you look at um, you know Millennials, sometimes their purchasing decision, if you like, if they've got two offers on the plate with two commercial organisations, is actually to go to the one that has more of a socially orientated mindset. Um, so, so, I, th- I think there are some of the reasons why individuals, but also um, corporates. And then the other thing from a corporate point of view is when, when the magic really happens is when a commercial entity recognizes that um, CSR and HR can come together. So, uh, talent and their corporate social responsibility. And, and they meet perfectly at the place where an employee becomes a trustee of an organization. Because, on the one hand, they reflecting the values of their commercial organisation, but they're also giving back and they're learning uh, themselves as well.
0: That's great. I um, I, I, already think I, I might know what the uh, the title of this, uh, uh, the article that I write about this podcast is going to be, which is Where the Magic Happens, maybe. That would be a nice
1: title, wouldn't it? Um, I think it would be terrific, absolutely.
0: Um, so, uh, so that's I mean fascinating. Uh, uh, but what I'm, I'm sure p- uh, the listeners will be very interested in is uh, some examples, case studies of how it's been successful either for the individuals, the non-profits, or the the employers, uh, the corporates mm-hmm. that are involved.
1: Yeah, well, so, I mean we're, we're working with a raft of corporates at the moment, including Barclays, who we originally set the program up with, uh, Google, PA Consulting. Uh, RBS, uh, Mishkondorea, the law firm. There's a number that we're, uh, we're working with. Um, but um, to, two examples spring to mind, really. One is some work we did with a charity called Dreams Come True, which is a national uh, children's charity. And essentially what they do is they, they bring joy to children and young people with serious and life-limiting uh, conditions. And what, one of the things in their strategic plan was to increase the number of dreams They fulfill. Um, But they recognize that in order to do this, they needed to recruit trustees with a business background who have very strong financial experience. And we knew the charity anyway, having been involved with the CEO and having done some trustee recruitment for them. Um, And and, and we put it out actually to some of the people on this Step On Board program, two of whom ended up being appointed to the board one, a chap called Andy Chalice, and, and a woman called Miranda. Abraham, both senior directors of Barclays with very long uh, hedgehog titles um, all to do with uh, strategic investments and investment banking and syndicates and all this sort of thing that I don't fully understand. But um, nevertheless, they've joined the board and have been on the board for, goodness, it must be well over a year now. And uh, they've both added tremendous uh, value to the board. Um, And uh, uh, Sally herself, the the chair, has been... uh, uh, really, really uh, excited about their contribution. The, the other one that springs to mind is, is actually something quite close to my heart, and that involves sort younger trustees. And so we were doing some work with an organization called LHA London, which uh, was set up during the Blitz, quite a large organization that provides high-quality accommodation in London for students, uh, young professionals, people moving to London for the first time perhaps on an apprenticeship and who are a bit... Uh, sort of starry eyed and, you know, that's, um, you know, out of sorts because they come to this big city from somewhere else. And so they, they give them a leg up. And Tony Perkins, the CEO, of them for, for many years, he, he said that they reviewed their charitable objects and what they wanted to do was better engage with their beneficiaries who are relatively young. Yeah. But when they looked around the boardroom, they realized that they had very few younger people on the board. So they said, how yeah. can we get some younger people? And Trustees Unlimited was doing some work with them, and we tapped into one of the young lawyers we were working with at de Ray, who I first met when she was 29, um, a wonderful young woman called Alexandra Whitson Dew, um, a media lawyer. Um, she came onto the Step On Board program. Uh, we introduced her to LHA. I think she had just turned 30 by the time we introduced her, but nevertheless, still uh, relatively young. And they were so impressed with not only her legal credentials, but her understanding of social media, how to communicate with young people, that they took her onto the board. Um, and, and she's been such a such a blessing to to, to them. She, she's bought this... Um, sort of sense of being in touch with younger people. Mm. But she's thrown herself in, heart and soul, and uh, when we were doing the last round of recruitment, she was on the panel and uh, heavily involved. And so um, for, for Alexandra, it's been wonderful, great uh, experience, but actually for LHA, they've got this really sharp young lawyer on their board, and quite frankly, I don't think they would have uh, found her if it hadn't been for the Step On Board program. Yeah,
0: that sounds <coughs> fabulous. we so have got some great examples there, thank you. Um, now one of the things that I actually, coming to, to, to yourself uh, and, and your journey a bit, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued about uh, how you've been finding it, so one of the first things that comes to mind is that you were probably a pretty busy guy before you became CEO of Trustees Unlimited, um, so what inspired you to wear the, the, the two hats that you've got, um, that you described at the start of this conversation?
1: Yeah, well, I think that the, the world increasingly we're, we're wearing lots, lots of hats, and um, you know, first and foremost, I, uh, you know, I, I guess about my, my 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 main hat is is that of a husband and then as a father to three small kids. So yeah, I've, I've got a pretty busy life, but I think for me, the work of trustees in England, but it's a joy not a burden, and, and I say that in the sense that uh, I'm really passionate about governance, not governance for its own sake, but governance because if you get it right, the impact on the beneficiaries is is, is quite profound, and, and I've been around long enough now to see that when governance goes wrong, uh, the consequences are really tragic. We only need to sort of look at kids' company and all sorts of other things, but when it goes well, it, it's really amazing, and for me, my passion is about how can you help the most number of people the most effectively, and I think it starts with getting the right boards of trustees, and so, uh, uh, yeah, I'm busy, absolutely like yourself, Adam, and, and probably like everybody listening. Lot, lots, on. Never enough time to do things. Mm. But I think this is, um, uh, yeah, governance and helping people is absolutely the driving force behind it.
0: Yeah, no, that's and that's uh, in, uh, is great to hear because uh, as an aside, but important question: Have you found that uh, the the collapse on the unfortunate collapse of Kig's Company in a, in a high profile last year? Um, uh, has that affected in any shape or form people's confidence around this or uh, what, what's been your experience around that?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think government, I mean it was quite prescient when we set up trustees and then because I, I remember saying at the time there's going to be increased public scrutiny there's going to be increased um, scrutiny from the media and, and lo and behold that's all come to bear um, I've heard people say that a number of individuals have been put off becoming trustees because of Uh, things like kids' company. I actually would say completely the opposite. I think there is a wealth of talent out there who really want to contribute. And it's about understanding the duties of being a trustee. The Charity Mm Commission have updated their CC3 guidance this year. It's excellent. It's really clear. Um, I think the courts take a very um, uh, sensible approach, which is they recognize people are doing this because they really want to contribute and make a big difference and I think if you want to make a difference nothing's going to stop you doing that so um in some perverse sorts of way I think kids company debacle has in some sort of shaken up governance in the mm. and made people realize we, if we're going to do this we're going to do it right and we're going to do it properly and so uh, there's a silver lining there but I've certainly not seen uh you know a dearth of people wanting to come forward. quite the contrary
0: no, fabulous, that's, that's that's good to hear, um, and so uh, <clears throat> obviously the uh, the collapse uh, of kids company uh, was uh, a very uncomfortable lesson for those involved in it, which included right up to David Cameron uh, as the Prime Minister then <clears throat> who put his own personal backing to it, um, <clears throat> but then um, ho- hopefully you've not had uh, uncomfortable lessons on that scale, but we all have them. Um, so, what maybe have you had as lessons, and have you learned from those since you uh, joined Trustees Limited?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it, the way of life, and certainly in, in recruitment, I see this in our Russian uh, business as well. You know, when you're dealing with people, people will invariably let you down or not uh, behave in the way you think they will. And yeah. I, I, I guess, um, yeah, you know, I guess a couple of things spring to mind. I mean, one is uh, I remember we did a job for. A charity, and um, we, you know, we found some really good candidates. The preferred candidate met the chair, uh, then met the CEO. Um, they both loved the candidate, and um, the, the agenda item the, the at the next board meeting, the agenda item one was the appointment of said candidates. Yeah. So they, they duly, you know, did that, and then at the end of the board meeting, the rest of the trustees said. Why know if would be a point, you know, that chap, he's totally disruptive and his behaviors aren't right. And for me, that was, it was a very early on, but it was a big lesson in that a, a potential trustee and a potential charity, uh, I think, should not rush into consummating a relationship. I think you can take time walking up the aisle if you like. And, um, the advice I've always given since then is there's no harm at that first board meeting having the designate trustee candidate uh, attend as an observer so that they can witness the board um, and then the board can witness the individual. So that was one big lesson. And I guess the second one related to that is how important it is for potential trustees to just understand who else is on mm. the board. I was doing a bit of work with a charity that had three members of the House of Lords on it, very well known members of the House of Lords. I attended one of their board meetings. Uh, granted, not all the law lords were there, but uh, I'd never been part of such a dysfunctional, board and the um, the chair and the chief exec had a big argument and then they turned to me for advice and at that point I was sort of hiding under the table I like a celebrity, get me out of here except uh, obviously I wasn't wow. a celebrity um, I just thought, so there was a lesson there about uh, you know just because you've got big names on a board doesn't mean the board is well run and so the mm-hmm. advice I, I often give to potential trustees is check that the chair is not a little Napoleon who sort of mm-hmm the press is debate and, and, and essentially manages things but also actually check that the CEO doesn't manage the board um, and that that balance is struck right so I'd say there are two of the lessons on that
0: well that's a lesson that uh, some of the, uh, the boards of uh, the corporations uh, could do with learning as well I think um, absolutely but that's again another podcast on that one and so, and so that, that's maybe some of the uncomfortable stuff but I'm sure there's actually been uh, and what's kept you passionate about this and inspired is um, things that you've found fulfilling so maybe one or two things that you found really fulfilling since you've become involved in Trustees Unlimited
1: yeah I mean over the overriding thing is knowing that the work we're doing is transforming lives that has mm-hmm. to be Absolutely, the most important thing. But I think what's been really rewarding is just to see, and certainly in financial services, you know, bankers and things often get a get a bad rap. And it wasn't so long ago that if you said, uh, you know, at a cocktail party or something, you were a banker, you, you know, no one would talk to you, and they, 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 you know, they'd take away your, your your canapes or whatever. Actually, you know, having spent so much time with uh, bankers, um, with serious people in commerce, and seeing the passion that they have to uh, step up and to be trustees, to really give, but also to actually dig behind their lives a little bit and to see how many of them unsung are engaged in uh, community activities and doing things. To me, that's been incredibly rewarding and actually really heartening to recognize that, uh, you know, the UK is known throughout the world as having... Um, uh, volunteers, you know, millions of volunteers doing it, and to see it, to see that it's really happening, and people want to to carve out time in their busy diaries to do things for other people. That's been incredibly, incredibly rewarding.
0: Fantastic! Yeah, brilliant. That sounds very fulfilling. And as a final question, then, what, what, or who inspires you to uh, to, to keep turning up and? Juggling all these balls that you're juggling, um, uh, it with, and particularly obviously with Trustees Unlimited and the staff On Ball program specifically?
1: Yeah, I think um, yeah, there it's, it's, uh, there's so many things which I, I won't go into, of course, but um, obviously having I mean, a deep faith helps. Personally, I think knowing the work we're doing is actually changing people's lives. Um, the founding chair of Trustees Unlimited was a chap from Stephen Lloyd, who at the time as managing partner of world's Braithwaite, sadly, uh, deceased now and a great loss to, to many, but I think his passion for the work we were doing uh, really inspires me. And then uh, I, I guess just um, knowing that we're, we're making a difference, we're really helping and getting up every day and thinking, you know, today we are actually going to help um, an organization get their governance right and in turn that's going to help the lives of drug addicts or even animals um and, you know I'm, a, I'm not a huge animal fan although i've got a i've got a labrador but actually it's, it's really important work and knowing that the work we're going to do today is going to transform the lives of some sentient being or another mm-hmm. uh, um, it is um is is really really important
0: that's brilliant right well that's a fantastic note I think, to finish this uh, this conversation on And so it just remains for me to thank you, Ian, for your time, uh, sharing your experience and your learnings and and your successes. And uh, I wish you and the program uh, every success uh, going forward. Thank
1: you. Adam, thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. And
0: yes, so this is the end of uh, today's uh, Inspiring Sustainability Podcast. Thank you to the listeners for uh, joining us. And I look forward to uh, joining you on another podcast in the near future. Goodbye.